the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to today's episode of The Situation Report. Very glad to have you joining me. This is the show where we do our best to give you the information and perspectives you need to navigate an ever-changing culture. My name is Jeremy Stolnicker. Glad to be your host for today's episode. And today we're going to talk about something that really does have an impact on us and our culture. Uh, if nothing else, to give us hope. <laughs> We're going to talk about that, and you'll hear that as we go through the interview. Today, I have the privilege, once again, of interviewing Pedro Gonzalez. And um, Pedro's been on our show before. I, I love interviewing him because he sees the world a little bit differently than I do, than most of us do. He understands what's happening in a way that most people don't. He's able to think deeply to dissect what's happening, to tie that to historically why these events are taking place and then what that means for us. Um, always enjoy talking to him. Today we're going to talk about the Italian elections. If you have been paying attention at all, then you know that uh, a new prime minister was recently elected in Italy and she has been called by everyone that we would probably disagree with. <laughs> She's been called a fascist. Uh, she has... Um, been accused of doing horrible things and being for doing horrible things in the future. Uh, a terrible, terrible person if you listen to those, particularly uh, in the global society, those globalists, those people we're always talking about. They dislike her. And the question is, why do they dislike her? Uh, what were the conditions that put her in office? What will happen? What should we expect to happen? What does that look like? And uh, man, so many great questions. This is one of those events that can take place without us really understanding what that means for us or why it's important. One of the 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 things <laughs> you're not supposed to say things. You're supposed to give very specific examples. But one of the things, there's a lot of things. One of the things that we have got to hang on to as as people who care about our country and our culture and our communities. One of the things we have got to hang on to is this truth, this reality that we live in a global society. Now, I am not a globalist. If you've listened to this show or watched this show at all, you know that I am against globalism as such. That is a ruling class somewhere <laughs> deciding what we do culturally, what we do politically, what we do environmentally. I believe in the sovereignty of the United States. I believe that we were founded as a sovereign nation, that we need to continue to maintain our sovereignty, that we need to hold to the principles upon which we were established. I believe all of those things. If Again, if you listen to this show, you know that. However, we also have to understand with that in mind that what happens around the globe impacts us. And if we're not careful, we can become so isolationist, particularly as, as the world is swirling out of control, as culture seems to be moving further and further away from traditional values. Uh, we can become so isolationist where we just say, well, I'll just hang on to what I have. I'll hang on to mine. This is all that matters. This is all that's important. Uh, I'm not going to worry about anything else. We can become so much that way that we miss the fact that there are people around the world 
who are spending every day of their lives, who are investing uh, every resource that they have in destroying the United States because we stand for something that they don't like because we are a huge economy that they want to take advantage of, because we have a powerful military that they need to keep under control so they can pursue their own agendas. We have to understand that while we're trying to protect our own culture and our own society, there is a global effort, a global movement. There are people around the world doing things that may or may not be friendly to our agenda here. We've, we've got to keep those two things in balance and keep those two things in mind. Uh, we've seen a- examples of both extremes as well as uh, somewhat in the center. I think our last president did a good job of maintaining the idea that we are America. We care about America. We pursue American ideals. We protect American interests. But there is a globe. There are other countries. There are other people. And we need to understand how those interact with and affect us. This is why, with all of that said, that this is why what happened in Italy is significant. Because in the middle of the European Union, which is, in essence, the standard bearer for globalism, there is a country (laughs) that decided we don't go along with that. We don't like that. In fact, they elected someone that has a history of radicalism. Pedro will talk about that a little bit in this interview today, what that means and what that looks like. Uh, But really, someone that cares about three things, the family, faith, and the future of their nation, Italy. How radical that is in a globalist society, but how normal that used to be. That used to be something we all cared about. This is what's important, our faith, our families, and our sovereignty as a nation. So when that happens in a place like Europe, that is significant. Not because the policies there will necessarily impact the United States, but because what we see there is that when people who care about their country and their faith and their families are willing to stand up against globalism, a difference can be made. Pedro is so clear in this interview that we have yet to see what this will actually do, what impact this will have, if any. But the fact that the movement took place and someone like this was elected should be very hopeful to us here in the United States who are so inundated on a daily basis, so pushed down on a daily basis, told to just get in line and go along. This should give us hope that if we're willing to stand up and push back, a difference can be made. Once again, so grateful to have Pedro on with us. Uh, He is a writer. He is a podcaster. uh, He is interviewed just about everywhere. You can find him all over the place. And very grateful to have the opportunity once again to talk with Pedro Gonzalez. Pedro, thank you for joining us. Appreciate it. Always good to be here. Thanks for having me back. So many things we could talk about right now. The world is uh, uh, a target-rich environment for conversations <laughs> about uh, nuclear weapons and war and uh, the economy and supply chains and so many other things. In the midst of all of that, though, we have uh, recently had an election in, uh, in Italy that it seems is at least an indication of how the world is now looking at its leaders, its rulers, um, those who are setting policy for the countries they live in. And it's been a very interesting change. Um, let's just start at the beginning, if we can. I've got some specific questions, but give us an overview of what happened in Italy, and then we'll talk about why that's significant. 
Yeah, so Italy's uh, new prime minister, last name is Maloney, uh, she, she's an interesting figure because she is someone who, since a young age, has been engaged in radical politics. Um, you know, she doesn't hide her admiration for Benito Mussolini. Uh, she, she proudly connects her, her party, the Brothers of Italy, to the legacy of Mussolini, uh, so you have someone who's really unusual in the sense that they're just not apologetic in in a way a lot of politicians mm -hmm. would. And I think it's important to make a distinction between, you know, the history of Italy and um, the 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 tragedy of World War II. I mean, these are right. this is a, a discussion for a different time. But the bottom line is, is these these are not the same things. And Italians don't think of their whole history as just World War II and and the mistake that Mussolini made by you know allying himself with Germany in that time. Correct. I think. Americans have a very kind of narrow view of, of basically world history. I'm saying that as an American who had a very narrow world view of, 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 of history, but this is just not how Italians understand themselves. And Maloney is very open about that. Um, and so I, I'm, I'm stating that because I think there's a, there's a complexity to her in the sense that, like, like I just said, like you know, she's very proud uh, of, of, of her kind of role in Italian nationalist politics but at the same time, she's made this kind of gamble that basically by pledging allegiance to uh, U.S. foreign policy, to the U.S. foreign policy agenda, that Italy can be kind of left alone to have actual nationalist politics and, and social conservatism at home. That seems to be what Maloney has done, uh, because if you look at her, there's this real kind of there's this contradiction where. Maloney is basically super pro, you know, Washington, D.C., whatever the Washington, D.C. establishment wants right. a foreign policy. Maloney supports right. that. You know, she's all in on Ukraine. But at the same time, she she strikes a kind of Hungarian note on domestic politics. And the problem is, is that I don't think you can reconcile these. At some point, uh, you, you, you have to go one way or the other. And I think that's really kind of at the heart of this is that um, the – foreign policy interests of the United States, which I'm making a distinction between Americans and the U.S. government here, but right. the bottom line is, is like the United States government doesn't want its allies to have socially conservative politics. I, think, I know this is kind of confusing to hear, but you can kind of see the hostility of the Biden administration towards, for example, Hungary. Mm -hmm. And until recently, uh, how, how Western liberal democracies looked at Poland, right? It's only, Poland is only kind of back at the at the adult table now because it, it hates Russia. But right. until very recently, Poland was being demonized as, as an illiberal authoritarian country because it tried to have the same kind of politics that yep. Maloney wants to have in Italy. Yep. So sorry, um, that was a, a whole no, bunch. It's really uh, good. I, I think no. the background is what's hard to understand. So yeah. maybe we can take a few steps back even. Uh, a lot of folks calling her a fascist, certainly connecting her to Mussolini because of, of her support. Talk about a little bit the difference between what happened in World War II, the alignment, the decision that Mussolini made, and um, what she actually supports of him. As I read history, my understanding of of Mussolini was he kind of measured both sides. He calculated on what he thought was going to happen and who he thought was going to win, and he threw in with who he thought was going to win. He was wrong. Um, but there was a lot of history before that. There was a lot of things that happened before that. Can you talk about that a little bit? Because that is a very important distinction when people make that comparison between her yeah. and him. 
Well, the bottom line is, is that it seems like Maloney and a lot of Italians basically just view Mussolini pre-World War II as, as you know, her, the way she put it was he's someone who everything he did was, um, he put Italy first in everything that he did. Mm. Essentially that he looked out for the interests of Italians. I mean, this is, this is essentially, this is, this is basically true. Uh, whatever else you can say about Mussolini. Right. Um, he was an Italian nationalist who looked out for the interests of his country. And, you know, like most people believe that he basically allied with Germany out of fear uh, that, that essentially, you know, that he, that, that Italy could somehow come under attack by Germany. Uh, I'm, I think that that's basically correct. Um, but again, I, I think it's, it's difficult to even have this conversation because we've, we've been so kind of scared into, into trying to understand politics from the perspective of people like the Italians uh, without making it seem as if we're taking, like we're, we're coming down on the wrong side of history or something like that. Yeah. Clearly Italians don't feel that way. Uh, and when you actually look at the, the, the politics, like what are we actually talking about here? Like forget the Mussolini stuff. Forget all that. What are we what are we actually talking about? Like what are what what did Maloney run on? What do the Italians right. want? Right. And that's the uh, question, seemed, right? Right. It seems like normalcy to me. Uh right. they they reject the idea that you know men can snap their fingers and become women. Uh they, they reject the glorification of the culture of death that is abortion in in the West. Uh th these are people who do not believe that their country should basically just kind of be like plundered by by foreign elites, uh, that, that the politics of Italy should primarily concern with the welfare, be concerned with the welfare of Italians, and that Italy should actually have borders that are enforced. I mean, that that doesn't sound like fascism to me. Right. It actually, doesn't sounds sound like radical, does it? No. Right, and so I think I, I think, but it's important to acknowledge the the you know the uh, Maloney's history is a kind of radical because. If you, I, I mean, if you don't acknowledge that, you're kind of alighting something important here. But nevertheless, you know, when we actually talk about brass tacks and what Maloney and the Italians want, it, it actually sounds pretty normal and pretty reasonable. It's only today that, you know, things like borders could be considered fascist. You've heard and seen the raw, uncut truth about the brave men and women, patriots that were wrongfully arrested on January 6th by the tyrannical Biden regime and corrupt DOJ. But with your support, Jake Lang and all the January 6ers can find justice. Here is his message. Hello, my name is Jake Lang. I'm a January 6th political prisoner who has been held in solitary confinement for over 21 months by the Biden tyrannical regime. I'm not going to lie to you. The need is great. The corrupt DOJ and wicked FBI have doubled down on hundreds of innocent J6 patriots and pushed for harsh prison sentences of up to 10 years. We are putting together a legal fund that can help out the January 6ers, and we need your support. Please go to j6legal.org right now and give from your heart whatever God tells you to. We need your support. The need is great. The time to donate is now. Thank you, and God bless you. Um, why is this change uh, so significant? Um, I guess if we just went back a couple of years, what have the politics of Italy been like up to this point that makes this such a dramatic departure from that? Well, I think the the real issue for the Italians for the longest time now has been immigration. Uh, that has really been the kind of the, the flashpoint for Italian populist politics is the the influx of migrants uh, that mm -hmm. just continues to come. And 
there, there seems to be no end to it. And there also seems to be no will uh, in the European Union to, to actually do something about this, right? Like your, your role as a European country is to basically just accept these people, yeah. which is why, again, going back to this, this thing we talked about at the beginning, uh, the EU and the United States under, under Biden and previous administrations, uh, one of the things that they, they, that they take umbrage with towards Poland and Hungary is exactly that, their refusal to just simply open their borders and, and kind of take in an, an unlimited amount of people um, that, I mean, again, look at Poland that has t- tried to have socially conservative politics and try to enforce their borders. Um, and, and like I said, they've been vilified for that. And it's only because they've kind of taken this almost like jihadist stance against Russia that they've kind of been allowed back into, into the good yeah. graces uh, yeah. of, you know, of Western liberal democracies. But at the same time that they're kind of like leading the fight or the push to kind of escalate the conflict in Ukraine against Russia, Poland is still getting sanctioned by the EU. It's, it's kind of absurd. Yeah. Like Poland is yeah. trying so hard to show that, you know, we're, we're a European country just like right. you. We're not bad people. And they're getting sanctioned <laughs> right. and they're getting punished because they refuse to, to subordinate their domestic laws with regards to immigration and other things to what uh, the EU and to what, you know, people in the Biden administration want. Uh, what does this and Italy, given given what you just said about you know Hungary and Poland and some of these other nations, uh, what does this mean for Europe? The the EU is is on shaky ground at the moment. Um, outside of this, there are. It, it was really interesting to watch what happened with COVID. Right? Is people once again cared about their borders and cared about keeping people from other countries out, and they need to secure this and. Um, the EU just said that they would push back on Italy. In fact, tried to threaten the Italians yeah. into not electing, right. um, you know, who they just elected. And so what does this mean for Europe more broadly? I, Europe has so many problems right now, but what does this mean for either Europe or maybe, maybe more of the, the European Union? I, I again, I'm, um, it, it's kind of an open question because we don't know how, how this is going to pan out in Italy for Maloney. Like she could, this right. whole thing could be kind of a, of a lame duck and a dud basically. I mean, that's, it, that's why it's so interesting because on the one hand you have all these articles about, you know, like in the Atlantic, there was a headline. It was like fascism returns to Italy yeah. or something like yeah. that. But then you, I think there's a really good piece in compact magazine by Christopher Caldwell. And he actually, it's a really good piece from from Italy. I think Caldwell was actually on the ground when he wrote it. And he talks about a lot of the things that we're discussing about, you know, what the Italians want, you know, why they love Maloney. Uh, but he concludes on that note that basically Maloney is trying to take two divergent paths, mm. uh, pledging, you know, fealty to the EU and, yeah. and Washington, D.C., while trying to have socially conservative politics, nationalist politics at home. And the reality is, is that this whole thing could just implode and Maloney could end just it, like Maloney's tenure and her entire movement could just be it could, could just collapse into nothing. Um, so the I guess I don't want to I think it's important to have that in mind because we don't want to get carried away and say, like, sure. well, this is the end of the EU. Yeah, right. You know, of course. It's yeah, no, game of course. over for the globalists right. or something. I, I don't <laughs> Right. I, I, I wish that we could be that confident, um, but, but, but basically I think populism, popular discontent toward the status quo and the established political order, that's not going to go away. Uh, I think that Maloney is, is kind of just like 
part of of this this surge. I don't want to say the beginning because you know this isn't the beginning, but I think Maloney is just an indicator that this stuff is not going away. Yeah. Um, it's and I think that's important because maybe we thought that for some reason you know Trump losing in 2020 yep. was somehow an indicator that you know the global tide of populism was subsiding. Uh, it, but I don't think that's the case. I think this stuff is not going to go away. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-702-5400. I'm here with spokesman John Wolf. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-702-5400. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-702-5400. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Does this in any way serve as a harbinger for the United States and for our elections? Um, 2020 was such a a strange year, certainly a strange election cycle. We could spend a lot of time talking about all of that. But um, Donald Trump seems to be more popular now than maybe he was prior to that. It's, It's hard to tell. But certainly there's a lot of energy around that. Someone else uh, take Trump out of it. Someone like uh, Ron DeSantis, uh, very much a populist. Same thing. A lot of a lot of uh, enthusiasm, a lot of energy behind him. So in the United States, there seems to be that same type of sentiment as we look to our elections. Does what happens in these other countries does that in any way indicate what we can expect, or at least hope to expect in the United States? Or is that a completely separate, has nothing to do with us? Before we jump into that, though, um, I would imagine if you've been to the grocery store recently, you've noticed that things are more expensive. Gas is more expensive. It doesn't matter where you live in this country. Things are more expensive. The economy, our economic future is uncertain. And we have to ask ourselves the question, what is it that we can do to protect our financial future for our families, for our children? What can we do personally? Uh, One of the things I would recommend is at least considering uh, adding gold and silver into your IRA, your investment accounts. Take a look, figure out how to do that, and see if that is the right fit for you. The place that you can start is with Lear Capital. Call Lear Capital, and you can get their free precious metals investor guide. You can also ask them about their Lear Advantage IRA that lets you transfer or roll over your old 401k or IRA into a gold and silver tax advantage IRA. Plus, Lear is offering right now crazy shipping, uh, free shipping, and up to $15,000 in bonus gold or silver with a qualified purchase. This is something you at least need (laughs) to take a look at. You can call for details, 800-489-6450. Lear Capital is the most rated precious metals company on consumer affairs with a near-perfect rating on Trustpilot. Call them at 800-489-6450. That is 800-489-6450. Calling that number, you will get your free kit and there 
You will learn how gold has performed during periods of inflation, government debt, interest rate hikes, economic crashes, even wars, and how in all of those gold has been the financial bedrock asset in portfolios. Uh, One of the things I love about Lear Capital is that they are an American-owned company, proud to do business with Americans that share conservative values. Write this number down, 800-489-6450. Call them today, or if you don't want to call, you can click the link below in the show description and the show notes. Check them out. You will do yourself a great service by at least investigating Lear and what they have to offer. MyPillow is having their biggest sheet sale of the year. You all have helped build MyPillow into the amazing company that it is today. Now, Mike Lindell, inventor and CEO wants to give back exclusively to his listeners. The Percale and Giza Dream bed sheet sets are available in a variety of colors and sizes, and they are all on sale for as low as $29.98 with our listener promo code. Order now, because when they're gone, they're gone. The Percale and Giza Dream sheets are breathable and have a cool, crisp feel. They come with a 10-year warranty and a 60-day money-back guarantee. Don't miss out on this incredible offer. There's a limited supply, so be sure to order now. Call 1-800-870-0283. Use the promo code SITREP or go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio listener square, and use promo code SITREP. No, I think all these things are connected. I think that all the, the, the reaction from the right, if you want to call it that, this, this kind of wave of, of populist anger, it's not going away and it's interconnected, I think. I think that... I mean, for example, Hungary, um, the, uh, Victor Orban congratulated uh, Maloney on her win profusely. Uh, profusely. So, again, it's this, it's this, you certainly see this kind of solidarity, right? And yeah. I was actually in the, the National Conservatism Conference in Miami recently, and you, you had some, some people that are in the Hungarian uh, political arena who were in Miami talking about exactly this. So I so I certainly think that this is viewed as a kind of international movement. Yeah. Um, and I think you're right that Trump and perhaps more importantly, Trumpism, th- this kind of movement that started in 2016, right, right. it does seem to have more energy now. And I guess the 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 irony of of what these people that you know are denouncing Maloney and denouncing Trump Trumpism and denouncing Orban are doing is is by refusing to actually view the grievances of the other side as legitimate yep. and just kind of dismissing them as fascism and all this stuff, you, you're not actually dealing with the problem. You're making it worse. Like you're making it so that people become increasingly frustrated with, with the status quo and therefore more willing to turn toward, you know, like the, the politician who says, if you vote for me, I will put an end to trans yep. ideology. Yeah. And it, so it's actually it actually makes the problem worse when your reaction to, to an election in, in another country is to just de- denounce it as like a threat to democracy or uh, like the uh, EU commissioner. What's her name? Uh, von Von Leyen, I think is right. her last name. Right. A German woman. You're right. right. She threatened Italians to basically not vote the wrong way. Right. And she said, we have right. tools that we have used on the Poles and the Hungarians if you vote in a way that is bad. Yeah. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Um 
to me, there is is such a connection between what we're seeing happen in the United States, and you know, it's hard it's hard to dissect this, right? Because we spend time around people that generally think like us and view the world like we do. So, uh, for me to say everyone I talk to is in support of uh, Trumpism, as you said, maybe not Trump, but certainly the movement behind him, and you know, individuality and sovereignty as a nation, and what it is to be an American. Everyone I talk to is for that, but I realize there are a lot of people who aren't. So it's hard to know what the actual movement involves. But when I look at what is happening in the United States and then you look at what is happening in Europe, man, there seems to be such a um, a connection between the two. And what that tells me is that people are people everywhere, that humans everywhere desire freedom and independence and the ability to be who they are. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens there and then what happens here. If things go well for her in Italy. So the entire movement can implode. She's taking two paths. That doesn't work. That's one potentiality. What if things do go the way that she wants them to? What changes would you expect to see in Italy or what would you anticipate happening in Italy if she gets everything that she wants, if she can do what she says she wants to do? Again, I I, I think what's funny about this is that it's it's to me it just seems like so normal what she wants to do right we, sure. want, we want borders right, right? right. like <laughs> right. What, what would happen italy right. would actually be a country instead of just a kind of um instead of just a vassal <laughs> right you know a, fief, of, a fiefdom of, of europe yeah yeah that's exactly right that's like the that that's what would happen <laughs> in italy um and I, but i think that in a way just that that possibility is already a kind of major threat. And I'll, I'll use Russia here as an example. I'm not, I'm not a Russophile. I don't want America to be like Russia. I think Russia is just a kind of th- like third rate regional power um, that's having difficulty, you know, fighting its war against Ukraine, yep. which is why I don't really think it's a, it's a material threat. If, if you can't beat Ukraine, I sure. you, you yeah. think you'd have a hard time beating right. the United States, right? With the rest okay. of the world, right? I want to make that clear. Um, but I think that just the existence of a country like Russia and the same way of a, of a country like Poland kind of incenses this transatlantic ruling class because it, it offers the possibility of just a different way of organizing your politics. It's not, not necessarily a better way like in Russia, you know, because Russia has a lot of problems. But still, like a country that just is not organized uh, on the assumptions of of uh, of countries like the United States, you know, under, under liberalism, um, with, you know, name your crazy ideology yeah. and, and thing that's kind of afflicting society, right? Yeah. Um, a society, like a country that just decides we don't believe in this stuff and, and we're going to reject it and, and organize our politics and our, and our culture in a different way becomes like a kind of existential threat to this transatlantic ruling class that stretches from Brussels to Davos to DC. Yeah. And, I think that is why there is such an absurd reaction to someone like Maloney, who, again, is actually very normal. Right. Uh, right. Just the idea that right. you could have normal politics is just infuriating to these people because yeah. it, it people, other people elsewhere might get ideas that we don't actually have to live like this. <laughs> it's crazy when you look at you know someone like Ron DeSantis and he makes the, the, the crazy, crazy claim. He asserts that we should not teach kindergartners about sexuality. And the whole world explodes like he had done something crazy, right? Like, right. hey, we shouldn't send little kids to strip clubs. We shouldn't do that. That, that should be illegal. 
um, these absurd ideas that he's putting forth. And, and you're right. You look at people who now who are now normal or at least traditional. We could go back, you know, 60 years. This is what we used to all believe. Right. And when someone believes it now, they're radical. And what a, what a crazy place we've landed as a as a nation, certainly, but as a globe. I mean, it's just it's unbelievable where we are. Yeah. No, it's it's totally right. And, and again, whether it's an individual or a country that just rejects these things, um, that rejection becomes a, a, a kind of dissent. And one way, one way or another, it has to be stamped out, yeah. whether that's, you know, like, like I said, a, attempting to nullify uh, the will of a foreign country, like, uh, like these elites are doing with Italy, or uh, suppressing dissent in the United States. And I think, again, all, all this stuff is connected. Right now, you've got these uh, major medical associations in the United States, right? that have petitioned the DOJ to suppress critics of transgender ideology. Uh, I mean, yeah, this, this stuff can only survive with that kind of, of repression. Like it it can only survive if you, um, if through like a robust censorship regime, um, whether it's, like I said, whether it's an individual or an entire country. You, um, you have the ability to think very deeply about issues like this. And, and that's why, you know, having conversations about something like the Italian elections and what that means to us. I, I like having these conversations with you because you think so deeply when you do read about this and study and ask questions and talk to people um, as an American. So not as someone who speaks on these things, a writer, um, but as an American, as someone who cares about your country What's your takeaway from this? And so beyond that, as people listening to this, people who watch what's happening in the world, what should our takeaway be from from what's happened there or the implications that has for us here? Um, Because all these things are just a show unless they actually impact us somehow or cause us to think a different way or look at the world different. What's your practical takeaway from this kind of thing? My practical takeaway and th- again, this is independent of what Maloney actually does, because I think that's really important. Sure. Is that it's still possible to to mm. basically raise a movement on these issues, that they're still politically viable. And why is that important? Well, we've been told that because, you know, Trump lost in 2020, these politics are dead. The kind of politics that we're talking about, they're no longer viable. It's a recipe for electoral defeat here or anywhere else in the world. Uh, so don't try it. Just kind of acquiesce to the moment and and give up. Stop resisting, in other words. I think what the Italians have showed is that that's not true. That's great. Yeah. Independent of what Maloney actually does and who she is, the bottom line is, is that in Italy, she ran a campaign on these issues, <laughs> on nationalism, on restoring normalcy, which I think was a, a phrase that Warren G. Harding used back in the day, uh, return to normalcy. Yeah. That's essentially what Maloney ran on. Right. And right. it was phenomenally successful. And and if it's possible to do that there, it's possible to do it anywhere. And I think that is precisely why there has been this kind of absurd characterization of, of her win as, as something nefarious, right? Because again, the most dangerous thing that could happen is that people elsewhere get ideas. Man, that's great. What a what a great takeaway and should be extremely encouraging for the rest of us who it's easy to lose hope. And, and I, I talk to people, a lot of, you know, a lot of people, as I'm sure you do, who have just kind of lost hope. I mean, they've thrown their hands up and said, well, I guess this is where we are now. And 
Hopefully our grandkids are going to make it. We have no idea. But things like this do give us hope. And yeah, yeah that's so important. Uh, Pedro, where can people uh, follow you and um, particularly follow the, the, the things you write about and talk about? Yeah. Uh, so I've got my newsletter at contra.substack.com, which is I just do roundups of all the different things I write and say. And then uh, I'm on Twitter, Getter, whatever different social media platform under the same handle at E-M-E-R-I-T-I-C-U-S, Emeriticus. Awesome. Pedro Gonzalez, thank you so much, man. Really, really appreciate it once again. Thank you. Sir. We were not made to live in isolation. Sadly, many of our veterans feel they need to fight their battles alone. This self-isolation has led to the staggering statistic of more than 20 veterans taking their lives every day. A lot of guys end up drinking, a lot of guys end up losing hope. Some of them will go to the VA and they'll try to get, you know, prescription medications to help with PTSD. You know, they'll get pills for anxiety, they'll get pills because they can't sleep, now they'll get pills for depression before they know it. They're taking 12 different medications. And when it's not working out, these guys lose hope, and that's why there's 23 guys a day committing suicide. The mission of Mighty Oaks is to eradicate the veteran suicide epidemic and help our warriors change their legacies. As a result, we've been able to help over 4,000 veterans and first responders by equipping them with the tools they need to live the lives they were created to live. Everything they said just kept hitting me in the heart over and over and over again. It's like all the things that I didn't know that I needed to hear. And uh, I opened my heart to God that week, dude, and like, <laughs> I've been a different person ever since. Our faith-based, peer-to-peer approach has one of the highest success rates of any program available today, offering hope and understanding to those who need it most. We provide our programs and resources, including travel, at no cost to our warriors. I remember talking to a licensed social worker who actually handed me a pamphlet to Mighty Oaks. So I went. Glad I did. By aligning their lives to biblical principles, These men and women are able to lead their families, their communities, and our nation. Our mission is to serve and restore our nation's warriors and families who have endured hardship through their service to America and to help them find new life purpose through hope in Christ. It's your generosity that can make a difference in the lives of the men and women who have fought for our country and our freedoms. Now that they're home, don't let them fight alone. Learn more at MightyOaksPrograms.org. Grateful once again for uh, Pedro's insights. Um, I, I always enjoy talking to him. I, I've said this, I think, three times now. <laughs> I'll say it again. I said it during the intro uh, a couple of times while I was talking to him. But uh, I really enjoy talking to him because on on all of these issues, he's someone that doesn't just have an opinion. A lot of the times you'll hear, particularly those on the conservative side, on the right it's always hot takes, right? Like, well, this is how I feel about this. This is what I think right now. I haven't spent any time thinking about it, but this is what I think. This is how I feel. And uh, Pedro is not that guy. He he understands things deeply. He's able to look back to understand where did this come from? Where was uh, this born out of? Uh, the history behind this. He, he's able to tie that. And then from that, look to the future. And man, that's how all of us need to act. That's how all of us need to think. Why are we here? How did we get here? What were the events that led up to this? If we know that, that gives us a lot of insight into what may happen. When we talk talk about having the perspectives we need and the information we need, a lot of the information we need is, is based in our history. It's what brought us to this point. 
We get a hold of that. Pedro's great at that. And then looking at what is and then projecting what can be. Uh, man, that is how we must live our lives. There's so much hope in that. And uh, grateful for that. Uh, really appreciate that at the end of that interview. Uh, what can we learn from this? And he said his takeaway was that even though it can be hopeless, even though we can feel like we just need to get in line and people are telling us that, if we're willing to stand up for what's important, a difference can be made. What a great takeaway. Uh, I would encourage you go and find Pedro on social media. Um, incredible writer. Follow what he writes. You will... Um, learn. <laughs> we all need to learn. But as you read what he writes, perhaps even issues that you are not currently concerned about, he gives such great insight and that will help you think better and think more clearly. Appreciate you listening. Of course, if you are not yet subscribed to the podcast, please take some time to do that right now. And wherever you're listening from, that is the podcast platform that you're listening from, but also physically the location. Maybe you're exercising. Maybe you are doing work around the house. Maybe you're driving. It doesn't matter. You're close enough to the device that's giving you this podcast to hit subscribe. Go ahead and do that right now. Subscribe to the podcast. Uh, that means you will automatically get this content when it's uploaded a couple times a week. I want to make sure that you have that. And then share it out with someone else. Uh, there is... Uh, Tons of content, no shortage of content in our world, to be sure. Uh, but we do our best to bring on great guests like Pedro and many others who can dissect what's happening in the world and give us something actionable. And uh, I know a lot of folks would benefit from that. Share that out with others. And then take some time. Go to YouTube. You can find our channel, The Situation Report. Great content there as well. Uh, growing platform, growing uh, channel for us, which we're grateful for. That gives us the ability to create more content like this and make sure that you are getting the information and perspectives you need to navigate an ever-changing culture. Really appreciate you joining us. Look forward to talking to you next time. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.